you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess, but we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am Art Stapleton. We are entering week six of the NFL season. And for the New York Giants, it's getting late early. One and four, a loss on the scoreboard at Jerry World on Sunday. And they've lost a lot more than that. Saquon Barkley, ankle injury, he likely won't play this week. Kenny Galladay, knee injury, he likely won't play this week. A scary situation with Daniel Jones. He's in concussion protocol. I think he has an opportunity to get back and play this week. But he's got to go through the league's protocol and then ultimately get cleared by an independent third-party medical team. And that's not always something that a team can predict. On today's show, Dexter Lawrence stopped by our studio, and when I say studio, I mean a table and two chairs on the patio overlooking the practice fields at the Giants practice facility. Dexter and I talked about a bunch of different things, keeping in line with our interviews from the previous six episodes. We talked football, obviously, talked about the Rams, the challenge that the defense has had, in stopping the run, what has gone wrong, but also tapped into Dexter's personality a little bit. We went back to his days as a basketball player. The fact that he, at Clemson, played a little fullback, Refrigerator Perry style. So we get into all that with Dex, talk to him after Wednesday's practice. So little insight into what's going on in the defensive side of the ball from the number 17th overall pick from the 2019 draft. Then we have our Behind Frenemy Line segment with Cam De Silva, managing editor of Ramswire. He'll paint the picture of whether Sean McVay has his mojo back. 4-1 and one for the Rams, Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Rams are a good football team. There's a reason why they are favored by 10.5 points on the road In a 1 o'clock Eastern Time game, which means in the Rams' heads and their bodies, it's 10 a.m. for them. And they're still double-digit favorites, according to our friends from Tipico. We'll get to them in a second. But then we'll close the show today a little different. Full disclosure, I had been working on getting interviews to kind of mark the 10-year anniversary of Super Bowl forty-six. The Giants are honoring that team from 2011 this weekend. So it'll be a kind of good news, bad news. Good news, you get to celebrate your last championship. Bad news, you have to trot out a team that's not at 100% and get out there and play a very good team in the Los Angeles Rams. But things just didn't work out logistically to have an interview this week. So I did the next best thing. Back in August, myself and another reporter, Tom Rock from Newsday, met with Victor Cruz at MetLife Stadium, talked to Victor a little bit about the 10-year anniversary. So we'll have that interview to play at the end of the show to give you something a little feel-good 
to remember when things turned around and turned around unexpectedly for the Giants back in 2011, and they won their Vince Lombardi trophy, their fourth as a franchise and the last one 10 years ago. Mentioned all of that in a jam-packed show, and I did mention our, our friends at Tipico. The show is always brought to you by Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. First up, it's my interview with Dexter Lawrence on today's show. I think you'll enjoy it. Here's Sexy Dexy, as he likes to call himself, from Wednesday After Practice. Okay, we're here with Dexter Lawrence. Dex, thanks for being on All In. Appreciate you giving me the time right after practice. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the mindset right now. I mean, obviously you guys are 1-4. and four. I'm sure you think you guys should be better than a record, it, it would indicate. What are, what are you guys feeling across the board? Um, honestly, as players, we feel like we got to execute better. Um, you know... The coach's job is to put us to the right positions to execute, and that's what we have to do. Um, you know, we all, we all got to take responsibility of you know what happens on the field because between the white lines, that's our that's our that's our throne. That's where we we play, kind of thing. And um, you know, we just we just you know, just don't press and keep keep grinding each and every day to to fix little things. Do you guys think? I mean, obviously. Outside the building, people expected his defense to pick up where you left off last year. Sometimes that's a challenge that's easier said than done. Um, did we overlook the idea of how much of a transition has to take place year after year, going from you know you end one season, but there's a lot of time, a lot of changes that are made when um, you come back into the next season. I'll say, just as just as a defense, you know, we all gotta. Uh, learn to trust each other. We all gotta learn to play off each other. Um, we all gotta get comfortable with, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, understanding the game plan, knowing what we have to do to, you know, be in the right leverage um, on certain things. So it all that all plays into everything, you know. We don't allow outside things to kind of dictate how we what we going to do is kind of internal things that you know we have to the little things we have to fix you mentioned the idea of it as about execution the coaches put guys in position to make plays i would imagine it's a fine line between staying patient and running the plays but also you guys are human i mean yeah. you want to make a play to end to end a drive yeah. to end a series mm -hmm. that kind of thing so that's just the discipline part we have to have um and knowing what what we can do how can we manipulate the play kind of thing um so it's all it all you know i put it all on the players you know i would never blame a, a, a call or a coach or anything that's not me um i put it all on me too like just to, in the d-line just to you know wreck wreck things wreck the game um, we'll get back to the football stuff in a bit, but I was doing research for the interview, 
and I wanted to ask you about Dexter Lawrence, the basketball player. Mm-hmm. And I imagined in my head when I asked you that, your smile would kind of light up a little bit back to the good old days. What were you like as a basketball player in high school? Uh, I had a game between a Tim Duncan and a Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, yeah, that was my game. <laughs> what, so what parts are the big, the big fundamental? Yeah, I was a, I was a free throw line and end guy. I enjoy playing basketball. Um, that kind of a lot of my athleticism kind of switched over from basketball to football. Um, it was a good, yeah, you're right, the good old times. But where we, you know, we're obviously it's part. It's fun to, to joke about, but you were an accomplished basketball player. Yeah, I mean, you were, you were very good. I mean, was that your first sport? Growing uh, up? That was. Um, it kind of, I kind of jumped into it a little later, but like I fell in love with it, and I was like. Mm. It's like a, it's like I'm having fun. Like um, I'm scoring buckets. I'm dunking. I'm getting like being like doing cool moves. You know, you know. It's it was basketball was just fun because you can just like it's kind of just like a recreational. Like it's just like a play with your friends or something. But with football, you can, you can't really you can't you can't really go out. You can play backyard football, but it's not the same. Uh, so I spent a little time. You said you were dunking. I'm having a hard time finding any videos of you dunking back. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of kind of came late, like my like end of my sophomore year, I, like end of my sophomore year, and, and throughout my junior year, I was I was dunking type of thing. So and I didn't play my senior year, so. Best dunk you've ever had? You remember it? Yeah. Um, we playing a rival school, high school, and that first, that game I had missed a dunk on a fast break. And the next one, the guy I'm running on the fast break, he throws it back, and I like windmill it, like <laughs> and slam it so hard in a uh, in a weight gym. That was tough. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of got their notice. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was your favorite basketball player growing up? Favorite basketball player, uh, obviously LeBron James, um, but my game was not wasn't like his. But then I I, I loved like Shaquille O'Neal um, and like Tim Duncan. Like I just loved like the game. Like they slowed the game down for themselves. They played within themselves kind of thing and controlled the post. Uh, you mentioned uh, Shaq. Do you? I don't know if you're a big NBA fan, but Shaq on TV has kind of become that big personality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever watch Shaq and Barkley and those guys uh, go at each other? No, not too much. I don't really watch them like that. But, you know, you see, like, the highlights of the, them clowning around, them, have, them enjoying everything, you know. So that's that's pretty cool to see. Does that fit your personality? Yeah, I yeah. say, like, I'm like a like – a big, like, outgoing guy, um, jokeful guy, playful guy, so yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, one other thing I read about with, with the basketball stuff, how close were you to, to maybe giving basketball a try if you um, were going to college? Yeah, my freshman year of high school, I wasn't going to play football. I was going to focus on basketball that year uh, and then pick up football after that. But um, my high school coach didn't let that happen, Coach Lucas. <laughs> he was like, um, you know, come try it out, see how you feel, see how you like it, and if you don't, don't come back. And that year, I, my love for football grew even more. Gotcha. Um, my freshman year of high school, so I'm happy he did that. But I also love basketball. I also like whenever I can play basketball, I'll play basketball. Like yeah. in the AAU tournaments, like school, all that. I was mad 
that I couldn't play my senior year um, or my junior year at Travel League because I, cause I need to focus on football. <laughs> I think football kind of worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, right? um, when you look back at the roster at Clemson your last year, it's I was looking at the names last night. I mean, it's, it's really a who's who that's making an impact in the NFL now. When you play around that much talent in college, mm-hmm. how does it shape your development, your desire? I'll you know? say it it increases it a lot. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm never a jealous guy. I always want to see my brother's ball. That that touches my heart, um, but also pushes me to to compete with them, pushes me to get better with them. Um, so we all having fun. So we all enjoying the moment type of thing. So. Um, Playing with all that talent, it was fun just because, like, it was, you know, what I was with my boys. We we playing around, don't joking around, like, going on the field, just understanding, like, okay, we got this type of relationship. Like, this is what we're gonna do. Like, trusting that person to, you know, do what he have to do, things like that. All right, I found I found this one, and I didn't know. I watched the video too. You scored a two yard touchdown yeah. as a running back at the goal line against Louisville. Yeah, Tre- Trevor Lawrence giving you the ball, that kind of thing. <laughs> what do you remember from that? How fun? What was the build up to that? Did you know you were going to get? The I knew ball? I was getting the ball that game if we got down there. Um, and once he called like the play, I was like, okay, let me make sure I get my steps right. And then once I got the ball, it just felt natural. Like, I just gave him some little feet in the hole and, and scooted all up in there. Um, the guys up front did a good job blocking, so not, not too many people touched me. Now, you guys went, you and Wilkins, right, were playing in the backfield yeah. that, that, at that time of year. What'd you call it, the refrigerator Perry? Yeah, play? yeah, <laughs> fridge. <laughs> but um, see, he had scored the week before, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you, you end up getting the ball. Yeah. Was that kind of the. That was like the duo. Like, that was like, that was like, like basically like. I knew they wanted me to block more uh, and get him the ball, so I was mad about that a lot. Um, I didn't like that at all, actually. But, you know, it was, it was fun just having that package, having that, having you know, that, that having the coaches have trust in you like that, you know, to give you the ball in, in a big moment. So you're able to go to JG now and um, tag Jason Garrett and no. give him the ball? Let's you, go. you always whisper stuff here and there. Um, but, you know... These guys getting paid to do do that now. <laughs> you and Eli Penny can do a fullback. <laughs> off. Eli's a monster himself. So. Um, let's get to to this season and Sunday's game against the Rams. Take me inside the defensive meeting rooms right now. I, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning it's about execution. Yeah. But as players, how much ownership are you guys taking? Uh, all the ownership as a player. Like I said, like I put the responsibility on us. Um, to communicate with the coaches if we don't agree with something because we the ones playing, we the ones have to do it. Um, so uh, the meeting room is just, you know, it, it, it is how it has been as it was before, but just, you know, we communicate more. We on the field, like doing the practice today, you can hear the whole defense talking to each other, you know, understanding what exactly we have to do on this play or what we can't do on this play. So it's all about that what factor um, type of thing and, and how we're going to get it done. You guys prepared for the Rams last year. Uh, how different of an offense is it with Stafford back there? and not um, uh, It's kind of the same offense in a sense. Um, Stafford can really sling it. <laughs> um, so that's a little different. Um, but it's really the same th- uh, the same offense as last year with the uh, uh, head coach still there. Right. Um, so... Things like that. That hasn't changed too much. Um, there, 
there's this feeling out there that, you know, if guys aren't getting in the sideline and slamming their helmets and showing anger about losing and frustration that you're not feeling it. I would imagine that is the complete opposite of what is actually happening. Uh, how do you how do you a, learn to control your emotions? As a competitor it's frustrating um, to to lose. It's frustrating to, to not win. Um, and showing frustration like that isn't gonna help you win. Like uh, you know, it like it sucks, like but like slamming things or MFing people, that's that's just gonna build bad tension, bad morale. You know, you just you take it under the chin and you try to get better from that and you try to learn from your mistakes, um, that you did in the game. Um that's kinda how I take every loss as a learning lesson, um, and trying to not make the same mistakes over and over and over again. You mentioned the, the idea of a learning lesson. In week two in Washington had to be the, one of the biggest and hardest lessons you learn as a player. Mm-hmm. When we talked to you, I think it was the next day, you seemed not that you were uh, pleased or satisfied with the way everything happened, but you kind of were able to compartmentalize the emotions and then also what yeah, you had to do. because I have forward. to go back to work. I mean, I have to go back and make the next play kind of thing. Um, you know, that, that doesn't define me as a player I am or the person I am or anything like that. It was just one mistake that I made um, at a critical time, which shouldn't happen. Um, but at the same time, you know, I know as a man, I know as a player, I know as somebody to my as to my brothers on the team that they counted on me and they know that's frustrating. But as also, I have to know that I can't do that. I got to be more disciplined. Uh, let's let's have some some fun. We usually end these interviews with a two minute drill, one football question, and then three kind of off the beaten path uh, things. Number one, who's the toughest player you've ever had to tackle at any level? Oh man, um, in high school I had to tackle uh, Jalen Samuels. Uh, that was pretty tough. He stepped on me in high school. But really? Yeah, <laughs> we played him in the state championship. So. I didn't like that too much. Oh, Braxton Berrios, actually. Yeah. He was, Braxton yeah, Berrios? Yeah, I say Braxton Berrios. Yeah, he was he was, great. He was tough. And he's with the Jets right now, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like, what is he, like 5'8"? He, like he was like quick. Like, I couldn't get my hands on him. Like, he played like quarterback, running back, receiver. Okay. I, I couldn't get my hands on him. It was my, my freshman year, too. I was like, oh, my goodness. But yeah. So give you a big guy, let let a big guy try to run over you versus one of those yeah. small wiggle guys. Oh uh, yeah, they can, yeah, a big guy not gonna run over me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, going back to basketball, we got a pickup game. The Giants are playing this weekend. You got to pick Dexter Lawrence and four guys. Who's yes. your Who's your team? Definitely got Leo. I'm going with the whole D line. I got Leo because he's like that. He's like that Dennis Rodman type of player. I got AJ. He's like a he like a smooth like shooter. Yeah, Ray Ray, he'd be the point guard. And then for, oh, then I pick up Danny, you know, he'd be the two guard. So there it is. So Ray Ray, point guard, two guard, Danny, three, AJ, four, Leo, me five. All right. Well, you mentioned Danny, your your freshman, uh, or Danny Shelton. Not no, Daniel no, no, Jones. Danny, Daniel Jones. Oh, okay, yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. say, Dan, Danny Shelton might be going yeah, for yeah. your spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Daniel Jones is pretty good. I mean, you played AAU circuit. Did mm-hmm. you ever cross paths with him when he was uh, playing? Uh-uh. He was pretty good. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's what I, 
I gotta see it, but off the top of my head, I go. <laughs> All right. Um, what is the? This is down my. This is my wheelhouse, so maybe I'm. I'm assuming it's yours. What's the best meal you ever had? Uh, my mom used to make this like homemade pizza. That was pretty good. So I go. I go with that. Homemade pizza. What yeah. was? What was special about? I don't know. If she hasn't made it, she only made it once. <laughs> but I still remember it. <laughs> still remember the yeah. homemade pizza. Nothing on it, just cheese yeah, and sauce. Yeah, like and meat. It was kind of thick. It was good. It was good. All right, I hit uh, Andrew Thomas with this last week, and he, the, as the final one, he kind of looked at me. What um, if you end up having a, a boat or a, a yacht, and you were to name it, what would you name it? Um, uh. Yacht Sexy or Yacht Dexy, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I figured that's what it would be. Yeah. His was the SS Thomas. I mean, come on, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I really appreciate you giving me some time. Good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Thank you. Thanks, Dex. So that was Dexter Lawrence. Many thanks to him for stopping by. You know, and like I said, with with the way the setup is outside on the patio at the Giants facility. You're going to get all things. You have interviews in the background, the planes going overhead. It's funny how the planes from Teterboro always go overhead uh, when the most interesting questions pop up in interviews. And we deal with that in press conferences as well. Uh, It's just the way the setup is right now. So we just... Have to roll with the punches and deal with what we have. So, again, thanks to Dex for stopping by and talking, really running the gamut of what we talked about. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed that interview. And hopefully we could end that uh, all in jinx. I'm hearing that that, that's being popped up and talked about in a lot of different places. So Lawrence is not on the injury report as opposed to last week when Andrew Thomas was receiving treatment as we did the interview. So if Dex gets through healthy, I think that uh, all in jinx can kind of get put to bed at least for another week. Next up is my behind front of me lines interview with Cameron De Silva, the managing editor of Rams wire. A lot of interesting things that cam shed light on, uh, the mojo for McVeigh, did they get it back? Last time they were in MetLife, they had 51 points, put up 51 on Ben McAdoo's team uh, in 2017. Really was this, the beginning of the end for the Giants that season. Matthew Stafford is the quarterback this year. Obviously not Jared Goff, who the Giants played last year. And two unsung guys with some Jersey roots, Sebastian Joseph Day, who's a defensive tackle, has played behind the Dominican Sioux and is now playing next to Aaron Donald. He went to Rutgers, so he has that jersey route. And then obviously, Jordan Fuller, sixth-round rookie out of Ohio State last year, really came on the scene this year. He's a captain. So here's what Cam had to say and what to watch for with the Rams this weekend. Now we move on to our behind front of me line segment and welcome in Cam De Silva, managing editor of Rams Wire. Cam, thanks for joining me from the West Coast and the Rams making a big trip this weekend, coming here to MetLife Stadium. 
I think the Giants are hoping it's a lot better than the last time the Rams visited them here. Uh, but welcome to the show. Hey, Art. How's it going? I'm doing well. Sean McVay put 51 on the Giants in what turned out to be Ben McAdoo's last season as the Giants coach in 2017. Now, obviously, Giants went out there with Joe Judge, Patrick Graham, and the like uh, last year and probably held McVay's offense down more than people expected. But it's kind of a different year, transition year for the Rams sitting at 4-1. and one. What can you tell me first off about the team now versus really what was the birth of the McVay Rams uh, the last couple of years? How different is it? Do you feel like Sean has gotten a little bit of his mojo back? Yeah, I think this team really is more reflective of what we saw from the early McVay years rather than what we saw last year in 2019. Um, it's it's a more explosive offense. They're throwing the ball downfield more than they were the past couple of seasons, which we saw a lot of in 2017 and 2018. Um, there's still a lot of pre-snap motion, uh, not necessarily as much play action with Matthew Stafford this season. Uh, and not as heavy of a dose of the running game as we saw with Todd Gurley a couple of, a few years ago when um, he was really leading the offense and, and carrying the load there. But um, McVay has evolved, and uh, he's kind of he got figured out a little bit uh, for for a little while there. But um, he's got, like you mentioned, he's got some of his mojo back and. Uh, he's he's calling some good games with with Stafford there, and they're they're able to open the offense up a little bit more than they were the past couple of years. Stafford got a ton of credit coming out of uh, Detroit in the offseason, the idea of how it was almost the Lions that held Matthew Stafford back from kind of taking that next step as a quarterback. What have you seen from Stafford so far? And it certainly seems, like you said, a a good fit with Sean McVay, what he wants to do offensively and uh, fitting out the, in with the Rams out there in LA. Yeah, he's, he's played really well so far. Um, he's made a couple of mistakes with interceptions and a little bit of miscommunication at times with, with either Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, but um, for the most part, Stafford's looked really good. Um, I think he's still kind of um, figuring out the, the communication and, and getting on the same page with his receivers consistently. Uh, we saw him underthrow Deshaun Jackson a couple of times that resulted in, in interceptions. But um, really, once he gets on the same page perfectly with these receivers, and I think the, the long week uh, will help him with that, with just kind of looking at the film and seeing uh, where he can improve. I, I think this offense is only going to continue to get better. Um, he's throwing the ball really well. He's his deep ball needs to be a little bit better. Uh, like I mentioned, he underthrew Jackson a little bit, but um, he's playing really well right now. And this fit in the offense has taken Sean McVay's play calling to another level where he can be more aggressive. He doesn't have to um, kind of take these conservative throws, which he did with Jared Goff a little bit. Now, with all the injuries that the Giants are dealing with, and you know they're reeling coming off of. Uh, the loss in Dallas, and and when I say Giants, I mean Giants fans who are listening to the podcast right now. I, I just have to b- make a point of record that you brought up Deshaun Jackson first before I did because uh, I've been, you know, it seems like every week we have a guest on, and uh, hopefully it doesn't happen to you, but uh, 
there's kind of this all in jinx that's kind of developing here where guys are either getting hurt for the season or that kind of thing. So maybe by mentioning Deshaun Jackson early, uh, in this interview, we can kind of change a little bit of the mojo for the Giants because they don't need to see vintage Deshaun Jackson. Uh, what has DJX shown in LA? You mentioned the deep ball, but I know he had the one big game. Is it just a matter of still trying to feel his way out? And as Giants fans, I'm sure are well aware if there were any ever a time that he would like to have a big explosion, I would imagine that would be Sunday. Yeah, it's, I mean, his role with the Rams is kind of still limited right now. They have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup as the top two receivers. Van Jefferson is playing a bunch too. So it's a matter of finding snaps for Jackson, which can be difficult because they have so many playmakers on offense. But um, he's playing that kind of deep threat role that you would expect him to play. He's caught a couple of underneath passes and, and still shown a good amount of speed to um, get around corners and, and get to the to the sideline and get upfield. Um, but really, it, it's what you would expect from him. He's going to be that deep threat. He's going to run downfield routes. He's going to threaten the safeties and make them um, play more over the top, which opens opens up things a little bit underneath for the for the other guys. But um, it doesn't look like he's lost a step at all. He's shown he's shown plenty of speed. Um, he, I mean, he even has Matthew Stafford under throwing him. <laughs> I think even Stafford is is underestimating how fast he is right now. But um, it's what you would expect from him being that deep threat. He's probably going to play about 20, 30 snaps a game um, and really kind of try to threaten the defense deep. Has McVeigh completely abandoned the idea that he, you know, well, the Rams really need to run the football? I mean, I, I understand uh, Henderson's doing it. And I know what they've lost uh, in the preseason, but in terms of where they're at as far as a running game goes, is it? Past the set up the run when you need the run, but what's his philosophy been this season considering the diminished backfield? At least that's the perception outside of uh, the organization. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say he's completely abandoned it. Um, I think as far as where the Rams rank with rushing attempts and passing attempts, uh, they're, they're, pr- they're probably um, higher in the league in rushing attempts than they are passing attempts because Stafford just isn't throwing the ball a ton despite the fact that he's racking up these big yardage games. So um, by no means has he abandoned it. Uh, Daryl Henderson has carried the ball well the last couple of weeks. He's gone over 80 yards each time. Hasn't had a game with over 20 carries yet, but um, he's picking up chunk yardage, and when he gets to the edge, he, he really gets upfield and, and picks up um, a good amount of yards where he, he's threatening the second and third levels of the defense. Um, Sony Michelle hasn't been necessarily the most efficient runner, but he's good in pass protection and, uh, and he's become an important player because Henderson is banged up at times and uh, he missed one game already where, where Sony Michelle had to fill in. So um, it's a little bit of a two headed attack there. Nothing crazy or crazy impressive that has happened with the running backs yet, but um, they've been effective and given Sean McVay no reason really to abandon the run. Gotcha. Well, that's good information. I I didn't realize, you know, I hadn't checked the numbers. I didn't realize that they were still running the football. You know, everything you hear about the team without watching them, you know, down to down, you would think that it's the Stafford show, and and that's not necessarily the case as far as uh, opportunities, I guess. Uh, let Let's go to the other side of the football, and you know, which which all pro do you want to talk first, uh, Aaron Donald or, or Jalen Ramsey? 
you know, Donald, I think for the most part, when he's, when he's played the Giants, you know, it's funny. You look at statistics and sometimes we all get carried away. You, you expect a guy, if he dominates a game, you know, to have, you know, three, four sacks and, you know, four tackles behind the line of scrimmage. But the beauty of Aaron Donald, and I, I'm certainly not telling you anything you don't know, but Donald wrecks a game. And at the end of the day, you'll look at the box score and you go, eh, maybe we did a good job controlling Aaron Donald. But you have to look at the entire line and, and what impact Donald has. Uh, do you still see Donald playing at the the height of his uh career there in the Rams. I would imagine it's no slowing down yet for AD. Yeah, I haven't seen any any uh, regression or anything of that nature with, with Aaron Donald, uh, despite him being 30 years old. He said he has a little bit more aches and pains, but nothing crazy, and he's still in uh, ridiculously good shape for a guy his size, and, uh, and the speed and power that he shows is just remarkable on a weekly basis. And like you mentioned, he doesn't always stuff the stat sheet, and he's not always having two, three sacks a game um, the way that he did in 2018 when he won Defensive Player of the Year and, and led the NFL in sacks. But he's still getting so much pressure on quarterbacks, and really what he does is he forces – opponents to account for him and and go to more of a, a quick passing game to get the ball out quickly because there's only so long that these offensive linemen can contain Donald before he gets to the quarterback and, and lands a hit on him. Um, so really, he, he changes the game plan of the opposing offense, which is a, a huge impact in its own right. Uh, but he will get there for a sack every now and then, and, and he's going to um, make plays in the backfield against the run, too. Without a doubt, what he does up front, you know, opens it up. Uh, you know, the Giants made a push in free agency for for Leonard Floyd, and obviously the Rams brought him back. Uh, you know, he's somebody who I'm sure is going to test the Giants on their edge. Uh, and fans of New Jersey football, New Jersey college football, will know Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, who is really coming into his own out there, really an unsung player. It wouldn't surprise me to see him have a couple big moments back in New Jersey on Sunday. Yeah, he's playing really well. He's played he's played at a high level for the past couple of seasons, ever since taking over for Dominican Sue um, a couple of years ago. And, and he's, like you mentioned, an unheralded defender. He does the dirty work. He doesn't always uh, have a, a ton of um, big numbers, but he, he's playing at a high level where he's affecting the running game. He's generating some pressure. He's even... Um, getting to the quarterback more this season than, than he really ever has. He already has two sacks and in the past two years combined he had three. So um, he, he's doing a good job getting into the backfield and affecting the running game first and foremost. Um, from that nose tackle position, you don't expect quarter, you don't expect them to generate a ton of pressure on the quarterback, but he's doing a nice job as a pass rusher too, improving in that area this season. Had an opportunity to interview Sebastian when when the Rams were back in the Super Bowl when he was really just the the backup to to Sue and talking about his little rivalry with all the the rest of the Rutgers guys that were on the Patriots that season uh, and he he was great he actually uh, filmed a video for me kind of taking shots back at the McCourties in New England and Duran Harmon. So Sebastian is a, just a, a character. Love following his season and, and uh, really his journey there 
uh, with the Rams. So it'll be fun to see him. So I mentioned Jalen Ramsey earlier. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which side of the coin you prefer to be on, Golden Tate is not a member of the New York Giants. So we won't be having to watch Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate stalk each other out on Sunday. Um, but, but with, with Ramsey, obviously he's playing at a high level. How, how are the Rams using him? Uh, is he traveling with the top receivers? Is he sticking to one side and just completely shutting it down? Give me a sense of where Ramsey is right now. I know how good of a player he is. Uh, and the Giants just ran into Trayvon Diggs last week. Uh, so they're familiar with kind of having to watch in the secondary a guy uh, who can affect the game so well. What's your take on where Ramsey is at? Yeah, they're using him in a kind of unique way this season. Um, most of his snaps have actually been from in the slot, so he's not traveling with number one receivers really much at all. He he just played against DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins, and um, he didn't shadow either either guy. So wow. Rams are relying on their other cornerbacks to step up um, when they do put Ramsey in the slot. And um, there's some pros and cons to, to using him the way that they are. He can affect the running game. He's blitzing off the edge. He's um, helping set the tone and, and um, really be that kind of box and, and nickel defender where he's right there in the action and he's 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 one of the best corner or tackling cornerbacks in the league, if not the best. So uh, that's an asset that they're trying to use with him, and uh, it, it's a unique way that they're using him. I think at times they would almost be better off having him shadow a number one receiver. We're not going to have to worry about that this week with the Giants and Galladay banked up and and things like that. So I would expect him to be in the slot most of the game and just uh, kind kind of trying to impact things as a run defender and uh, taking away that middle area of the field. That's very interesting. I had not seen that on, on Ramsey yet. And, um, you know, it, with the Giants, it, it's interesting if Kadarius Tony can play, uh, he had an ankle coming out of Dallas who, who didn't get hurt. Uh, I even hurt my calf coming out of Dallas. So, um, but it'll be interesting that if, so now if Ramsey is in the slot, you know, I think there might be Giants fans hoping that, well, you know, you can throw Kadarius Tony in there and he can get his yardage. Well, now you're going up against Jalen Ramsey. That might not be necessarily the spot, uh, especially if Sterling Shepard returns and he goes in the slot. Um, so I appreciate that piece of information. Last one for me would be about a player who I, I've known since high school, didn't cover him in high school, actually covered his brother, and that's Jordan Fuller. Uh, I know back in the draft, uh, I talked to a lot of people about Jordan and what a player he could be. Uh, unbelievably, he lasted until the sixth round. I know it's from talking to Giants people that they loved him and they they hoped that there was a way that they can get him on the team. That obviously didn't happen. Fuller has become really another one of those underappreciated players outside of L.A. Tell me about his impact uh, I guess he's a captain this year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he's a captain, yep. Uh, I mean, so Jordan Fuller is probably one of the best players that Giants fans won't know, but they'll find out a lot about him on Sunday. Yeah, he's an important player on the defense, and not only is he a captain, but he's the defensive signal caller, which is not only rare for a safety, but also for just a second-year player who was drafted in the sixth round. So he goes from sixth-round pick to – starter in week one last year which no one really expected to 
being a captain and a defensive signal caller for for the team this year in his second season. So he's been a, a really fast riser, and he hasn't made as many plays on the ball this season as he did last year. Um, still playing that kind of center field role um, where he's taking away the middle, and, and the Rams use a lot of quarters coverage, so the deep half and deep quarter as well. But um, he's an important player. He's a really good tackler. He's only missed one snap all season. Um, he's been really impressive as, as a leader and as um, as a, an important player in the secondary, getting everyone aligned and situated before the snap. So um, I've been really impressed with the way that he's played and, and turned into a quality starter for the Rams after being a sixth-round pick last year. There you have it. Everything you need to know about the Rams heading into Sunday's game. Cam DeSilva, Rams Wire. Make sure you read all his stuff. Uh, just part of the USA Today Network, and I really appreciate you coming on, Cam. Enjoy this week's game and see if the Rams can get to 5-1. I'm sure the Giants are hoping to pull another spoiler roll the way they did against New Orleans two weeks ago uh, and, and really held their own last year for the most part out in L.A. against the Rams. We'll see how they match up. I don't know. It takes uh, you know different dogs, different fights. We'll see if the Giants can hang with the high-powered attack of the Rams coming here to MetLife. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Road game, 1, 1 p.m. kickoff for the Rams, so it's an early one, but um, should be an interesting game nonetheless. I appreciate you having me on, Art. Thanks a lot, Cam. Behind frenemy lines for this week, Rams-Giants, Cam De Silva. Thanks to Cam for that information. And look, the, the Rams are a double-digit favorite on the road facing those circumstances that I mentioned for a reason. This is a good football team. Uh, and other than the Cowboys, the Ram, it's, I think it's the Rams and Cowboys neck and neck as far as the best opponent on the Giants' schedule to this date. So it's going to be a challenge for the Giants. Now, last year, Patrick Graham and his defense threw some schemes at Sean McVay and gave the Rams a lot of difficulty, held them down for a while. Let's see if they can do that again and kind of get themselves off the deck defensively and try to bounce back and, and give the Giants fans a little little taste of what they anticipated from the defense this season. It's a big, big Sunday for the defense, I think. Uh, and, you know, we'll have more on that on NorthJersey.com, so make sure you check that out. Keep following along on social media, Art underscore Stapleton on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and we'll you know keep you posted and give you everything you need to know about Daniel Jones. Will he play this weekend? What role will Kadarius Tony play? Spoiler alert, I think he's going to play a big role, an even bigger one than he played last week. Uh, and really... Not comparing the the talent, just comparing the circumstance. Feels a lot like Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014 when the team kind of started going down all around them. Odell Beckham Jr. stepped up and and really became the force on offense. Uh, Even though the team was losing, it was a storyline every week. Uh, I think Tony has that kind of talent, that kind of capability. Uh, So for a Giants fan... I think it's time to buckle up a little bit and watch your first-round rookie, and you hope you win some games here that people don't expect you to win, and maybe you get back into a race in the division. Uh, It's a long way to go, 12 games. The only difference between this year and last year is the Cowboys are right now uh, head and shoulders above the rest of the division, regardless of what uh, the records may say. 
Uh, and look, one or two weeks can change that in the NFL, so we'll just have to wait and see. Finally, for the last segment of this show, I want to get into the 10-year the anniversary a little bit. And Victor Cruz, uh, who I promised there, there will be an interview with Victor Cruz at some point this season. I have some things planned for the 2011 uh, Super Bowl 46 anniversary. Uh, it doesn't necessarily coincide with the way the Giants are doing it this weekend. We got all season to, to do things. So I think that'll be fun when we have the opportunity. So let's go to Victor Cruz, like I said, at MetLife Stadium back in August, talking about the anniversary. The first questions to him were, does it really feel like 10 years? And how would you describe what made that team special back in 2011? Um, just resilient confident like you know there was just a certain confidence that we had throughout the entire season I don't think you know throughout the ups and downs I mean it's such a long season as you guys know but even throughout all those ups and downs man we never lost our confidence we always knew what we had in that locker room and we just knew once we hit it on the right you know once we got our timing right we could hit the ground running do you remember the Super Bowl or is it a blur it's kind of a bl- I remember all the important parts. Like, I remember pacing back and forth on Tom Brady's last drive. I remember, you know, running out onto the field with Tyler Sash when he rests in peace right next to me as we were walking out. Those moments kind of stick out to me. But, like, everything, man, like, there's so many takeaways from both on and off the field um, that were memorable. Does it legitimately feel like 10 years? No. I mean, I was just uh, – I just saw Mario and Hakeem. We did some stuff on the uh, – talking about that year not too long ago and it just like it feels like yo we got practice tomorrow dog like what are we doing (laughs) like you know we still all look the same we still all like have that same ambition and that hunger still you can tell um but yeah it definitely doesn't feel like 10 years ago it feels like just yesterday we were all getting ready for practice and and making it a thing though 10 years 100 i mean she's literally was born that year yeah. so now i mean she's literally a direct you know correlation and reflection of that year so every time she grows every birthday i'm like that's another year of super bowl another year of super bowl so she's growing at a rapid pace feels like every six hours like her legs growing a little bit more um but it's just definitely a continuous reminder of the super bowl i was talking to deal about that so his daughter was six at the super bowl right. and he's got little pictures of her and now she's a freshman in high school yep. and it's like it's like that's what makes me feel like it's 10 years. Yeah, he told me she's about to start driving. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not ready for that just yet at all. Do you get mentioned, do people bring up more when it comes to the Jets? Do they bring up more Christmas Eve? Or do they bring up more the breakout in the preseason when seemingly everybody learned about Victor Cruz? I want to say it's tough because the New Year's Eve was such a special one. But I think a lot more people bring up the preseason one, especially now because of the number three, everybody's changing their numbers back. So these memories of, you know, good players in the preseason kind of come back around. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely the preseason one because it just came out of nowhere and nobody expected it. You know, how many people were even watching the third quarter of that game at that time? And then, you know, you just see how it all unfolded. That beginning was such a special moment. LeBron was watching. LeBron was definitely watching. He was one of the few that's heavily invested in fantasy football. So they're looking for those third and fourth quarter gems that are going to make the team. See, LeBron's always thinking ahead. He understands. He gets it. He gets it. Special thanks to Vic. And 
like I said, we're going to have Vic at some point for an interview. We've talked about it. Just haven't been able to make it work logistically yet. He, he's all over the place, uh, continuing his career away from the NFL. So uh, when we get that opportunity to nail it down, we'll get it on all in, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. Try to get some former players as well to do things down the road and have a couple other things planned, but we'll uh, we'll get to that. I don't want to let it out of the bag yet, but on future episodes of All In, uh, I think it'll be pretty cool to get uh, a couple guests that I've been working on. Uh, so that about wraps it up. Again, thanks to Dexter Lawrence, to Cam De Silva, and from this summer, Victor Cruz. It's going to be an interesting Sunday. The Giants back home. The last time they were there, John Mara was booed at halftime. The Giants kind of walked out of there on... You know, another back-to-back. It was a back-to-back walk-off field goal. Seems like forever ago. Let's see how they respond. Will this team kind of get it together, especially on the defensive side of the ball? You know, I appreciate the audience, the way you guys have engaged so far. Please keep it coming. Go to all your podcast providers and platforms. Like the podcast, rate the podcast, subscribe download listen pass the word on we're invested the giants may be one in four but we feel as though we're undefeated to this point we've grown and come a long way in such a short time starting the podcast back the last week of august so we do appreciate the investment that you've made in us and we will continue to be all in on the new york giants see you next week